Good morning. Welcome to Cross Point. My name is Cale Courtright. If you are one of our guests, we are especially glad that you are here today. Uh, we hope that you have felt uh, the warm, family, welcoming uh, atmosphere that we have here at Cross Point. I love coming together every week just to be with you guys to, to worship our Father in Heaven. Um, as Jason mentioned, there's a lot going on re- uh, coming up. We hope that you have a bulletin. There's a lot, everything you can find in there of what's coming up at Cross Point. Um, if you didn't get one, they'll be on the table on the way out. And so grab a bulletin, uh, find ways that you can get involved and get plugged in here at Cross Point with the ministry that's ongoing. Um, as he mentioned, uh, next week is our Back to Church Sunday. We want to invite everyone to come out there to have a lot of fun with that. Um, and as we know, it is football season, so we didn't, as he mentioned, we will not neglect that. So you will be there. You can uh, still watch the football game, as I know I will be interested in doing. Um, also, in two weeks, it's in the bulletin, but it wasn't mentioned earlier, is there's a new study starting called uh, Starting Point. It'll be in the Concord building during first service. It's a five-week study that just uh, kind of helps give you a better idea of what is going on here at Crosspoint. If you are new to Crosspoint, or if you are new to um, maybe Churches of Christ, or to faith in general, if you have questions about uh, why do we do this, or what, what do you think about, what does Crosspoint believe about this, that will be a good opportunity for you to uh, learn all about uh, what we think here at Crosspoint. So that's a five-week study. It's starting in, on September 18th. Um, in the Concord building. And so if you are interested in that, just get a hold of me. Uh, my email address is in the bulletin. And so you uh, will have all of that at your fingertips to know how uh, to get plugged in with that. I also wanted just to reiterate the uh, Honduras Mission Luncheon update that we have also in, on September 18th. It'll be right out there in the comments. We hope that everyone can stay. Um, it'll be a great time just to get to know what is going on um, what are we doing engaged with in Honduras? So that would be a great time, not only to get to know our missionaries better, but also uh, just to learn about that. And maybe you have interest in the years to come of going to um, Honduras with us. Every summer we go there. So uh, let's, before we get started, will you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you just for uh, this church family. We can come together. We can uh, worship you, God. I thank you for the encouragement that we find together. Um, thank you for... Uh, just the love that we share, God. And I ask that uh, you would just um, pour into us today, that you, we would leave here renewed and refreshed, um, ready to go out and to meet our world and to tell them the good news um, that Jesus Christ um, is alive, that he has saved us, God. And we thank you just for your sons and his name that we pray. Amen. I want to give you a little bit of a recap of what we did last week. Last week and this week we're doing a short uh, series on spiritual formation. And lastly, the, thing that we, the main thing that we talked about is that it is God who spiritually forms us. This is our definition of spiritual formation. It read like this. It's coming, I promise. There it is. Spiritual formation is the ongoing process of God transforming the believer's life and character toward the life and character of Jesus Christ. And as it's written in Isaiah chapter 64... Um, Isaiah writes, and yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. What we, we talked about last week is it is God who forms us. Uh, not, nothing that we do by our hard work or by our own willpower, but it is God who takes us. He, he created us, he saved us, and now he forms us into his image. One of the other things we talked about ha- is how we are on a journey um, when we sign up, when we pledge allegiance to Christ, when we become his disciple, it is for life. 
We never get to a point that we arrive. We never get to a point that we're done in our journey. But we know that we signed up for a lifelong journey. And the other thing I want to say about that is that though it is God and that forms us, we have to show up for that. Uh, we talked about spiritual disciplines, about the, the practice of prayer or studying the word or just being in silence and solitude. That our world is so distracting that we have to make space in our life. We have to make space in our day, in our calendar for God. Um, because if not, God speaks to us. God wants to work on us, but sometimes we miss it through distraction. And lastly, one of the things we talked about is how in Luke 15, how the prodigal son runs away, but that it is, it is his father, it is our God, who is on the lookout for him. It says, the text says, when he started on his way back home, while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and ran to him. That's our God. That is who God is, that he runs to us because he um, is a loving God. I don't know about you, but I have been recently watching the show Fixer Upper. I know that many of you have probably watched it. Some of you I know in this room have been to Waco to see it, have been to the silos. Um, those must be very special silos because um, people come from all over. Uh, my grandparents have a silo, and I never thought it was that cool, but... Um, <laughs> People were very interested in those silos. I remember about a year ago, people were like, you know, Magnolia down there in Waco. And I was like, I do not know what you're talking about. You know, Fixer Upper. No, I had no idea. So uh, we clicked on the show and we started watching like everybody else in the world. Um, And we saw, if you don't know what the show is, it's a couple down in Waco. Their name is Chip and Joanna Gaines. And they take a house and they they flip it, so to speak. Uh, A buyer buys it and they fix it up for them. Hence the name Fixer Upper. And they take on more challenging projects than I would ever um, engage in. Um, They, you know, rip down walls. They do this, they do that. I don't know what they do. You have to watch it. But they do a lot of stuff. And it's kind of dangerous to start watching that show when you're trying to find a house like we have been recently um, because you go, well, I have a new standard for houses I want to live in. Um, Guess what? Those just aren't everywhere um, because I looked and they're not around. But um, also you start to have an idea that, you know what, you know what Joanna would do in this house? Um, you start to get real creative. Um, well, guess what? We don't have those skills. And my wife and I are in a house now that did need some fixing up. And if we were left on our own, we would be in big trouble. Um, painting before this past week was, was, a, was a task for us. You know, we weren't skilled painters, and now paint is in my nightmare. Um, uh, it is painting. Um, But it is through people here at this church that have been over day after day helping us that we are getting to a place, a house that we can live in. Um, It is nothing that we we could not have done it alone, but it is through the help of other people that we are getting to a a home that we can uh, live in safely. And so we are so thankful uh, for the many of you that have have helped us with that. And don't forget, we'll want to move in soon, and so... We might need help with that also. In the book of Acts, if you have a Bible, you can flip over to the book of Acts. You have an interesting story when you think about it. Um, At the beginning of the book, Jesus addresses his apostles, his followers, and then he leaves. He goes to heaven. And before this time, you have a, a following, so to speak. We don't necessarily have a church, so we could call it that. But instead, you have a bunch of followers of Christ who, wherever he goes, that's where they go. Uh, whatever he says, that's kind of what they do. They're, they're emulating their life after him. But, but what happens is um, he leaves, and he leaves it up to these people um, to lead his church. 
Now, we know that he sends the Holy Spirit, but um, imagine, if you will, that you are following a person who leaves, and now you're expected to know what to do. We, many of us might have been raised in churches, or maybe you've been here and you follow the leadership at, at a specific church, um, and so you don't really have to figure out what to do. But imagine for a second if you had to figure it all out. What do we do now? Um, you know, do we use the little crackers or do we use the big crackers? I mean, everything has to be decided, and they don't know what's going on. And so in the book of Acts, you really have the story of the early church figuring out how to be a church. And I love two passages in particular. In Acts chapter 2, it's famous because Jesus, uh, Peter gets up, and he gives his great sermon where 3,000 people are added to the church. They're baptized that day. Um, that's going to be sort of like after this sermon, I'm sure, um, that— will have that kind of response. And so at the end of Acts chapter 2, though, you get a glimpse of what the new church looks like. In Acts chapter 4, you get a similar story. And so we're going to read today from Acts chapter 4. It'll be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, it'll be Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. And this is how it reads. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned, a field he owned and bought the money, brought the money to the apostles. You know, sometimes you read the Bible and you just kind of read it quickly and you just, you know, go over it and you don't even consider for a second what happened. But consider for a second a group of people and there was no needy person among them. We just read it just plainly, but um, they sold fields and houses for other people. Imagine if we came together together today and we said, um, somebody, there is a need, somebody needs help. And we said, okay, uh, it's my turn to sell a field to help with that. Uh, we, we kind of have a different perspective of what it means to be church, but they came together, and for many of them, they were, this was just two chapters earlier, this when they were added to the church. Imagine that, a group that maybe they don't, haven't even known each other that long, and the love that they shared, the group that they had, the community they had, they said, I will do that for you. I will give in such a way that I will even sell a great possession like that for others. I worked at a church previously that we had an elder that from time to time would give a car to somebody. Um, it was on no schedule or anything, but he would, as he would see need, he would give a vehicle uh, to, to a person. We looked at that and we said, how generous is that? And it is generous because we had people at our church who couldn't get to work and now they could, who couldn't drive to the grocery store and now they could, who couldn't take their kids to school and now they could. And we look at that and we said, that is so gener- generous. And we read in the scripture here, they were selling houses. They were selling fields. That's what the early church looked like. Um, and I wonder for a second if we realize just how much we need each other. That when God calls us, he called us to this community. And today we're going to talk, primarily we'll talk more in spiritual, need, spiritual needs. But I don't want to minimize the physical. Because we also have many people who come and that have physical needs. That they have a need that needs to be met And this should be the kind of place, church should be the kind of place that you can go with that need to another. You see, when the Bible calls us to be a a church, it calls us to a body. Being independent is not 
a, it is a good characteristic, but it is not a Christian characteristic. Being independent is great for many ways in our life, for many reasons. We need to have a little bit of independence personally, but God did not call us to that. That's an American ideal, not a Christian ideal. God called us to a body. He called us to a group. And it's not just a catchy metaphor to use, but it is exactly how he called us. He called us to function in this group together, that we go through life together, just like we talked about the journey earlier. We go through our struggles together. We carry our cross together. We, we are called to grow together as a church family. And that's the way that the New Testament writers talk about it, that we are the body of Christ. We are in this thing together. In fact, there's one phrase that's used over and over again in the New Testament, and that is one another. Because the New Testament writers knew that we would need each other, and so they're trying to figure out, as if we are the church, how do we relate to one another? And this is what the Bible says, and we could go with more, but these are the ones that I chose out. Um, it, the Bible says, love one another, encourage one another, accept one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another, be hospitable to one another, honor one another, be devoted to one another, teach one another. And I particularly like how James says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but there's something about, we know that God has heard our confession and God has forgiven us, but there's something about sharing with somebody else and having them say, I love you. Having them say, I don't hold it against you. That's where you find healing when you let someone else share that pain with you. See, as we talked about, this is a journey that we're on, and it would be naive for us to think that we could do it alone, that there would be, not be days that we don't need each other. There are days that we are not encouraged, but we are discouraged. The days that our journey gets difficult and we need somebody else to lean on. There are days that your faith will not be enough, but you need the faith of another to carry you forward. There will be days also that you will struggle. Not every day is just going to get easier and easier in your in your walk with Christ. There will be days that you are tempted and there will be days that you fall into that temptation and into sin. There will be times that you need other people to encourage you, to help correct you, to help put you right back on the right path. And that's why we need to be together. That's why we need to be with each other. We need the encouragement and we need the accountability. We talked about friendship um, earlier this summer, and I hope that you got to hear part of that because that was um, such an important thing for us to realize that we need friends in our life that can help do that for us. We need the community together that will help do it for us. I, I don't know about you, but I am blessed to have those people in my life, the people that when I was discouraged could encourage me, the people who weren't too scared to tell me when I had been wrong, the people who weren't too uh, afraid to correct me, and help put me right back on the right path. And I hope that you have those people in your life too. And that's why we talk so much about connect groups here at Crosspoint. Now, you, the signups are gone for that, but we still have all the information at our connect group wall over here. And we're not going to quit talking about connect groups until all of you are in one. And so just let's make it easy on ourselves and just finish that today. <laughs> but this is just a, what we're doing right now is just a part of what it means to be part of a church. This is just a small segment of what it means to be part of a church. Connect groups are another part of that. 
If you just come in here on Sunday mornings, we desperately want you to be here. I don't know about you, but I'm so encouraged by just the worship that we have together. Getting a hug from somebody else, seeing all of you here is so encouraging. But it's hard to go on a deep level with people if you're just here on Sunday mornings. You have to find another way to sit in a room with a smaller number of people so you can really get to know them. See, we know that we, we offer an invitation here on Sunday mornings, but we know it's difficult to want to come forward when there's this many eyeballs on you. We know that it's difficult when you haven't got to know people very well to say, this is what's going on in my life. Maybe you have a physical need, maybe a spiritual need. Maybe you need prayers for something or another. And it's difficult if you don't have that relationship. And you find that relationship through connect groups because you can be in a, in a more intimate setting with people that you can journey with for months and maybe even years. We have connect groups here who have been meeting together for almost 20 years. And how much more comfortable are you to go to that person and say, this is what my prayer need is. This is what my physical or spiritual need is. And that's why you need that because if you're just here on Sunday morning, you're going to find it difficult to get that relationship with somebody else. And so you need to be in a way, you need to find a way to get that relationship with other people here in our, in our church. I don't know if you've heard of a man named Scott Harrison, but I want to tell you his story briefly today. Scott Harrison uh, was a, he was born a, into a Christian family in New York, and he did similar, uh, had a similar story to the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, that when he turned 18 and graduated high school, he wanted to leave all of that behind, and so he did. And he moved to New York City, and he started living a life that he thought uh, was more fun, a more worldly life. And he got a job as a promoter for clubs and bars. And his job was to uh, try to get as many people in there as possible. He would say that his job was to help people party. And that in, in doing so, if he got enough people to go with him, then he could party for free. And so that was his life. And, that was, and guess what? He was good at it. He, he became one of the top people in New York City that you would want him coming to your club that night because he would bring hundreds of people with him. He was very good at that. And he woke up one day in his 30s, having done the, lived this life for 12 years or so, and said, what am I living for? He clearly had a skill set, but he said, who am I living for? What am I living for? And so he turned his life around and started living for others. And just as we talked about, we need each other. Sometimes others need us. And so Scott Harrison started a charity called Charity Water. And I don't know if you've heard about it, but they have to date engaged in over 20,000 or so projects to give clean water. And that doesn't mean 20,000 people. That means projects that sometimes give water to thousands of people. He saw a need and he said, he started sending emails towards giving water to the same people he used to invite to clubs. He now invites to serve and give to other people. He started using his skill set to serve others rather than serve himself. And sometimes, as we grow in our faith, we have to realize that while we will always need each other, it becomes a point that others need us as well. We don't just find encouragement and accountability for our own sake here, but so that we can go out into the world. We don't exist for just ourselves. I don't know where this quote came from, but I really liked it, and I thought it was appropriate this time. It said, The person said, church is the only institution that exists for people who aren't part of it. Normally when you join a club, it's for, and you pay your dues, it's for that club. It's for everyone that's in there. That's that's who it's for. But what we do here, while we need each other, while we get something out of it, we don't do it for just for these four walls. We don't exist to just stay in this room together. But we come in here to find the encouragement we need to go back out into the world. Because we believe that we have the good news 
We believe in the gospel, and if we truly think that it is good news, that should be something we want to shout from the rooftops, that we want to tell everyone about. And I don't know about you, but when I get good news, I love to tell people about it. And I know you do too, because I see your Facebook. And so I know that you love to tell people about the good news that you have. And so we don't exist just for ourselves. We exist for others. But we come in here ready to just go back out there. Because see, we are all, we all have a ministry. We all have a mission. And so we don't exist just for Crosspoint, but Crosspoint exists for the world. Um, I think this is laid out really well by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So you have a Bible, it'll be on the screen also, but go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I think this really sums up well the gospel. This is how it reads, 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we, now, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I love that passage. It talks about what we talked about last week, that God has reconciled us back to him through his son. But that is not where the story ends. Now you become an agent of reconciliation. I love the, the language uses of ambassador, that you become that ambassador of reconciliation. That is the good news. You go out and tell people what Christ has done in your life, what they can be a part of. And so that is who we become. That is the kind of message that we, that we take on. We don't live for just ourselves, but as we grow in our faith, we start to live for others. We start to say, how can I live for other people? How do I put their needs above my own? Jesus says it a different way in Matthew chapter 25. Um, he, he's, he's right before he goes to the cross, he's giving a story um, to his followers. And he talks about, this is how, when I come into my kingdom, this is how we will separate the sheep and the goats. Those who will go to eternal punishment and those towards eternal life. And Jesus says, this is the measuring stick of how how I look at it. He says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. You'll ask, when did we do these things for you, Lord? He said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Jesus, the way he looks at it is, how are you living and serving other people? That yes, you need each other and that will never change, but that at some point you start to live positioned towards how do we serve others? When we see needs, not in this, within this room, but also outside, how do we meet those needs? Because that is where we find Christ. Just as we talked about earlier in the story from Acts chapter 4, is that we, uh, we want to be the kind of people who meet those needs. The kind of people who that we know the body and the community we have here, we're in this thing 
together because we know that we need each other. We are not here just for our own sake, but we are set out on mission for the world. Earlier, I gave you the definition we use for spiritual formation, but I want to add, I would add this to it. This sums up what we've talked about today. The change or transformation that occurs in the believer's life happens best in the context of authentic Christian community and is oriented as service towards God and others. I'll read that again because I know there's a lot of words there. But the change or transformation that occurs in the believer's life happens best in the context of authentic Christian community and is oriented as service towards God and others. That is how we should be as a people, how we are, choose to live. That we come in here, we, we are in this together. We are in this mission uh, towards giving the world the good news together. We are not in this alone. As we close, I'll invite the praise team back to the stage. We are part of a church family here, and in that, you know that you don't walk alone, that we know that needs will come up. We know that struggles will happen, and we invite you to let us share in that burden, that as a community, we accept you however you are today. It doesn't matter what your baggage is. It doesn't matter what your, what your past is. It doesn't matter. You bring it. You come here. We see you as God sees you as a new creation, but we don't want you to stay there. That as you go forward in our journey, we hope that you are a different person next year than you are right now. That we want you to progress in that. And we ask that you share, let us share in that. Today, our shepherds and their wives will be around the room ready to welcome you with prayer, welcome you with love. Won't you let us, as a church family, as the community, walk with you on this journey? That is who we are in Christ. We are a community of believers with mutual love for one another. Let's stand and sing.